Welcome to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Join us over the next 60 minutes as we recap last week's matchups, preview the upcoming games, make predictions, and much more. Here's your host. Welcome inside Conference USA. This is our men's basketball preview podcast edition. Usually we'll talk men's basketball here into the spring, but with a busy football season ahead, Andrew Rogers here with Justin Zimmer to help preview the Conference USA men's basketball season that at the time of this podcast recording uh, will be yeah about five days out or so. We'll start next Tuesday. So we'll pick up with the preseason poll. And the way we'll do this is we will go and preview each of these 14 teams in Conference USA and start from 14 to 1 and the preseason poll voted on by the coaches here in Conference USA. So we'll start at the bottom and then work our way to the top as we get to the end of it. First, though, we'll read off here the men's basketball preseason all-conference honorees. Jameer Young from Charlotte's on the list. Tavion Kinsey, senior guard for Marshall. Forwards, Kenneth Lofton, Jr. from La Tech, and Isaiah Crawford, also from La Tech, on the list, along with Kalua Zipke from Old Dominion. Thomas Bell from North Texas, and Tyler Stevenson, another forward from Southern Miss. Other guards on the list, Josh Anderson's back for Western Kentucky, Quincy Oliveri from Rice, Taven Lovin from UAB, and Saleh Boom from UTEP also on the list. So about 10 to 12 guys here on the list, and there's not a second team, a third team. There isn't a player of the year or anything. It's just those uh, 10 to 12 guys on the list. Uh, so straight into the point. I like yeah. that. It's like there's not really much, you know, caviar to it. It's pretty much these are the guys who we think are going to be good, and then it's more or less, you know, you kind of just want to at least set the table. But sometimes when you have second or third team guys, you know, it's kind of hard the first couple of weeks to kind of make those judges because you know, it's kind of hard just to because they, they, you know, the guys that practice against each other. But it's kind of hard when you, when you don't see a guy on film during practice, so it's kind of hard to judge. But you know, I think they have a good list there and. Obviously headed up by Marshall, Stavion Kinsey, who's been getting a lot of draft hype, so he's got to live up to it this year. All right, we'll start with Middle Tennessee State. This is a team that is picked 14th here in the Conference USA poll, and it's a team last season that had a bunch of new guys come in, and they've steadily been on the decline really since Kermit Davis took off for Ole Miss. This is a team that struggled under head coach Nick McDevitt and hopes this year maybe could be a little bit of a change. And you look at the roster – uh, for this team, they've got uh, some guys coming back. Obviously, Jalen Jordan, DeAndre Dishman, Donovan Sims are guys returning for Middle Tennessee State. You did lose about four to five guys, and you bring in some newcomers, mainly guys from the junior college level. In fact, three junior college transfers to this Middle Tennessee State team. And the best transfer, Josh Jefferson from Green Bay, is on the list. He averaged 15 a game last year at Green Bay. So Middle Tennessee State last year, they just had a bunch of different guys. Nobody really was the leader of that team. That was what the dangerous part of the team was, is that they had so many different guys that could score and such. But they didn't really have a go-to guy and a leader consistently, and they struggled last season. And for rightfully so, I think, to begin this season last in the preseason poll isn't really a surprise. Yeah, this is, and I think they struggled all year last year, and there was a stat. CBS went through and ranked all 368 teams in college basketball. And, and the Middle Tennessee little line that they gave, I thought was very interesting. And I'll quote it. It was by Matt Norlander. He said, the five years that McDivitt was at his old job, UNC Central, they were 93rd in, in, in field goal percent, in, in effective field goal percentage. How about this? Three three seasons so far, Middle Tennessee and McDivitt, they're in the 300s. 
So they've really had a lot of trouble getting field goals. They're trying at least now to bring in transfers. It's going to be another rough year in Murfreesboro. You know, I think we kind of said last year this team doesn't really have an identity. You know, and they really haven't had much success. McDivitt's, I think, a fine head coach, but I think, you know, we don't want to speculate about hot seat and stuff because, but I think he's kind of getting near that point, Andrew, where he's had four years to build the program and he hasn't done it yet. So I think patience is starting to wear thin. So at least as of right now, Middle Tennessee will start at the bottom. You know, they have a very, they have a pretty fairly, I don't want to say easy non-conference schedule, but there's some manageable games in there that they, that they could win if things all go right. But just trouble. It's just a troubled scenario right now. And I think they're going to do a lot of, to inject youth and new energy, but just so far just really have they got to get something going. And again, the team last year in Middle Tennessee State struggled, as we mentioned, in the last season standings that were split up in the East and West. Middle Tennessee State 3-13 and in conference play, 5-18 and overall for the Blue Raiders. Just a couple of notable non-conference games. When we go through this, we'll mention some key games maybe that stand out to us. A couple uh, – that stand out in the month of December, Coastal Carolina, Ole Miss on the road, Murray State on the road. No, no real big games. Chattanooga's on the schedule, but no real big tests besides Ole Miss. And that should be a fun game for Ole Miss because that's where Kermit Davis is at. So he's the former coach and will reunite with McDevitt here at Middle Tennessee State. Should be a, a kind of a fun reunion there. Yeah, we have, and we'll have a couple of those as we go along the way, a couple of reunion games, so we'll, which we'll hit on them. Um, you know, I'm really interested to see that Cancun Challenge that they're going to have you know, in the next couple of weeks, playing CNF Austin, Ryder, Bucknell, or Mercer. I, I'm a big fan of the multi-team events, Andrew. I kind of want to see, you know, that's kind of where you really get to see how good a team is, and they're going to, you know, they're going to go down in a couple of weeks and before Thanksgiving, have a have a fun little week down in Mexico, but that's a really good chance for team bonding, and for a young team, that's really where they can, where they can do a lot of the exercises. And it gives you a, a good situation to kind of look and see how do we perform on a neutral site. A lot of Absolutely. those challenges are neutral site. Because remember the conference tournament, neutral, neutral site. site yep, so. yep. Move on. 13th place team is the Florida International Panthers, and they were another team that struggled in the East Division last season in Conference USA. Went 2-15 and 15 in conference play and went 9-17 and 17 in as their overall season record last season. So not good, really, from FIU a season ago. And when you look at this roster, a bunch of guys return. You do lose two of your main players, two main key players from a season ago. Antonio Day didn't even finish the year with FIU, but he was a mainstay for that team. You lost Amon Kerrigan. The big man is going to use his extra year of eligibility at West Virginia. So he's gone. But, again, you do bring in a bunch of new transfers, three guys from the junior college level, Two from the Power Five. Aquan Smart from Maryland is going to FIU now, and Clay Clavon Brown from Vanderbilt. So Power Five transfers, always crucial, especially when you move down a little bit and adding some JUCO pieces maybe can get FIU going. Yeah, I think they're trying to build up using veteran presence. And, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, who else was a Maryland transfer for FIU? Bordenschlager. Yep. I think that's worked out pretty well. So maybe try to go back to the Royal Fountain in College Park, try to see if they can get another good stud out of there. But – you know, I think that this is another team where I kind of like the recipe they're trying here, Andrew. They're going to bring a lot of veteran players together, see if they can get something together. But, you know, Aquan Smart's got a big opportunity. But you know, I think I'm looking at their non-conference. Cause I, I'm a big fan of looking at the guys' non teams' non-conference because that's kind of where you form your identity. Opening night, they had a tough game against a good Georgia team. And then, you know, again, we talk, I talked about my love of the multi-team events. 
they get one. They're going to play the Jersey Mike's Classic. They're going to get a couple good opponents there. But, again, another team that's going to struggle, and they'll, they'll have to get it together, and I think it's going to take a while. But they're, they're, not, they're not having the issue that Middle Tennessee's having. Middle Tennessee's all young guys. You're trying to form something. These are all veteran guys off college experience, but they all haven't played together. You know, it's, it's different when you yeah. practice against each other. But when you have to play together as one cohesive unit, you're on two different teams. That's where the difference goes. So I'm interested to see how FIU does very early on in, in that in that middle stretch, that mid, mid multiple team event is going to be really key to at least see how good of a season they can potentially have. Eric Lovitz, the best player returning, redshirt senior, averaged 10 points per game. He's the best uh, returner for FIU. They've got a junior college transfer, not a junior college transfer, but. A transfer from Quinnipiac, Seth Pinckney. He's seven foot one. That won't be the only time we mention a seven footer joining a Conference USA team. That's gonna go. We'll talk more about those big guys down the road. But that's FIU coming in thirteenth and twelfth in the preseason poll here in Conference USA. Southern Miss, the Golden Eagles last season, um, kind of had an up and down season. Couldn't really ever get going. Four and thirteen at the bottom of the West Division. Eight wins, seventeen losses. For the Golden Eagles and what was a tough season for Southern Miss but overall uh, you only really lose two guys Ladavia Strain and Justin Johnson both transfer and a lot of key returners back to a team that struggled yeah this is a team that struggled a, a season ago and I think you lose a couple guys you know you, you, you never want to lose anybody Andrew but that's not too bad you have some teams in this conference that lost three or four and some teams lost their, their entire bread and butter so when you lose a couple players, again, it's not great, but you at least have your at least have your core group of guys together. You know, this is they they got a very good player. I want to mention, and, uh, and Matt Norlander mentioned this in his piece, Jaron Pierce. You know, he's he's kind of had a you know he's got a he's got a very good couple of years. He's a player to keep an ear out for. Uh, we'll be, I think we'll be talking about a lot about him throughout the season. You know, might have you know we'll see where he ends up by year's end, but he's I think he's gonna have a good year. Non-conference schedule, you know they'll play. They'll play Louisiana. You know they're going to the Sun Belt, so they're going to get to see a future opponent on November twelfth. And then, yeah, they got a little, they got a little multiple, you know, multi-team event: UNC Wilmington, UC San Diego, Montana. But and playing two future opponents in the Sun Belt, Louisiana and South Alabama. But again, I think it's going to be another tough year, and I think they're going to struggle in non-conference and also struggle in conference play. But you know, at least they, at least they're trying to build something down there. Yeah, I think the pieces are there, though, for this team to be dangerous in Conference USA. Tyler Stevenson exploded onto the scene last season, averaged 14 points and seven rebounds per game. He's back again. And then you mentioned Jerron Pierre. He's he's obviously a guy you noted there. And then Tay Hardy, another guy, junior college transfer. He's back for his second year with Southern Miss, averaged 11 per game. And then you picked up another big man, and as Isaiah Moore from St. John's. So anytime you can get a guy, and he averaged nine and five at St. John's. So there's a chance for this Southern Miss team, depth-wise, maybe a little bit of a concern, but overall, when you look at the roster and what they've brought in, it could make for a team that if you get enough wins in non-conference play, go on a little bit of a run and maybe be dangerous in that West Division, or not even a West Division, it's just all one conference yeah. now. Last year, they did it mainly for COVID I, and those sort of things. I but. think that's the difficulty this year. Like, you're not, you know, you're not really going to be secluded in, like, your own little ranking, and you're going to have to play everybody. And so you might have more opportunities to steal wins from good teams because you're not only secluded to your part of the conference. You're going to see every team, and every team's going to see you. So I think Southern Miss could take really good advantage. And again, right now they're on the line where if the season, if we weren't playing a season, they would at least be in the conference tournament. So they're 12, 13, 14, 
they have a lot to prove, but they're not all solidly locked in. you, you got to play good basketball. So conference play matters, though. It certainly does. On to the Team 11 picked in this conference preseason poll. UTSA, the Roadrunners, are picked 11th. And what's going to be weird about UTSA basketball this season, Justin, no Keaton Wallace, no Javon Jackson. Those two were incredible in their time with the Roadrunners. Think about these two gunners, okay? Appeared in 240 games, started 198 of them, scored 4,600 points, made 713 three-pointers, over 600 assists, 1,000 rebounds, and over 270 steals. Those two guys were incredible. They were scoring machines. If one was off, the other was on. If they were both on, you probably weren't going to win that night, and you lose both of those pieces, and that's well over 50 to 60% of an offense from a season again over the past couple of seasons. So UTSA's got a tough task, but on paper, really, those are the only two guys key guys that you lose from last year's team and you pick up Darius McNeil an SMU transfer that averaged seven points per game last season but it's going to be tough for this UTSA team because years past they're used to playing around Jackson and Wallace now they've got to kind of figure out offensively okay how are we going to play how are we going to defend now that Jackson and Wallace are gone those were our mainstays anytime we needed a bucket we could go to them and they can't go to them this year this is the first ring that surprised me that they're at 11. I, I would put them about like 12, 13, 14 because here's the reason why. When you lose two great players like Jackson and Wallace, you're going to have a bit of an identity crisis, and I think they're going to have to try to refigure out how to rebrand Roadrunner basketball. So they're going to struggle. And, and Andrew, looking at their non-conference game, you want to know who their first opponent is? Oklahoma. Not, they have a first opponent, but their second opponent, their first big opponent, Oklahoma. Porter Moser's done a fen- he's, he's a phenomenal head coach. He was oh, yeah. great at Loyola Chicago. They're going to have to play him right off the bat. But they have a very easy non-conference schedule. So I think they have they have a lot of winnable games in non-conference. But this is the first team, Andrew, I don't see them making the conference tournament. I think they have a lot of problems that they got to sort out, and it's not going to be like a one-year fix. This will be a multi-year project, at least down in San Antonio, in my opinion. Yeah, th- when you look at some of the numbers, and it leaves Coach Henson, Steve Henson's the, the coach there at UTSA, it leaves him in a situation where, what does he do tempo-wise? Because last year their offense was so transition-heavy, attack, let's get up and down the floor, kind of like Marshall in a way. But now it's like do you downshift and do you play a more defensive style to slow the game down because you're not going to have that explosive in an offense and that sort of thing. And they did that his first year there until Jackson and Wallace got there. UTSA was a defensive team. They slowed the pace down. Can he go back to that in one season with the guys he's got there and be able to do that. And obviously the main player back for them, actually two main players really back for them from last year, Jacob Germany, he was really solid. Ten points per game and six boards in his sophomore year. Jordan Ivey Curry in a third guard, fourth guard role, uh, averaged seven points per game. So there's talent there, and obviously those guys will have the opportunity to shine more, but not having Wallace and Jackson, it's going to be interesting to see how UTSA has to go about winning basketball games because I don't think they're built to play the way they have in the past without Wallace and Jackson. And as I said, it's going to be trouble because it's not, you know, it's different when you have a new coach. You can easily, you know, you have, you, you're have kind of forced to learn the scheme, but it's difficult when you've had a coach for multiple years as you've had Steve Henson, and then they have to change the scheme, and it's a lot harder for the players to adapt. So not confidence play, but this team's going to be very important because they're going to have to quickly learn because it's different in practice because practice you just dribble the ball, 
you shoot, you're, you know, you're just learning, you're just saying, okay, you're going to stand here, you're going to stand here, you're going to stand here. Mm-hmm. You haven't done a game pace yet, so their non-conference schedule, I hate to say it, Andrew, it's really important for UTSA if they want to make a good, have, have success in conference because they actually have to really pay attention to the details. On to Team 10. What's interesting about 11 through 14 in the men's basketball preseason poll, the points scale never got above 50 for those four teams. It was 28 points for middle at 14. FIU got 36 in the 13th spot. Southern Miss got 42 at 12. And UTSA got 48. The 10th place UTAP Miners, 82 points. So there was a big gap from the coach's perspective between 10 UTEP and 11 UTSA. And we'll see that going forward because there's a little bit of a jump from 9 to 8 and so on. But UTEP is picked 10th. In Conference USA, this is probably the one that surprised me the most. I know a new head coach now, uh, Joe Golding. He comes over from Abilene Christian after their victory in the tournament over Texas. So they've got a new uh, situation there with Rodney Terry electing to leave and join Chris Beard's staff at Texas. So you got a new head coach there with Joe Golding, and he's entering a situation where a lot of key players come back. You lose Bryson Williams. He opted into the transfer portal and ended up in the Big 12 with Chris Beard helping join Rodney Terry because they had the connection for at UTEP. So Williams transfers to use his extra year there. And UTEP now is stuck with kind of a roster and a new head coach here and a roster that has the capability to win basketball games. Solly Boom, we mentioned him. He's on the preseason team, averaged almost 19 points per game last season. Jamal Bienemy was a good player a season ago, a transfer from Oklahoma. So there's talent there. And I think the big reason why UTEP's maybe 10 is because when you look at it, new head coach, new situation, Bryson Williams is gone. He was really a, another big piece they had there at UTEP. So this is a surprise to me, but I understand why maybe UTEP's down in the rankings a little bit and coaches voted on him toward the bottom just because of the situation and maybe uh, struggling last season because we had high hopes. I know Nick yeah. and I talked a lot last year about well, UTEP well, being really good. Yeah, it, we all yeah. talked about it too, yeah. UTEP was going to be a team we thought could maybe make a run, and they kind of let us down a little bit, and they didn't exceed expectations we thought. So interesting spot here. What your thoughts? You know, I complain about third downs in football. I think I need a new term for basketball. But, but for UTEP, this is a steal and a head coaching hire in Joe Golding. He did a phenomenal job at Abilene Christian, and he had a, and he had a lot of offers on the table. He chose UTEP. So they're getting a great head coach. However, we're seeing this with Will Hall at Southern Miss and Charles Huff at Marshall. They're having a little struggles in their first year in their new system. So if you're a Miners fan, be careful there. I think you guys are going to struggle a little bit this season because it's a new scheme for the players. But this is a great hire overall. Talking about the players, you, you know, so I think you talk about Solly Boom. He stays at UTEP. He's going to be, I think, the real star of this team this season. But this team, I think they're going to really struggle. It's a first-year coach. they got to learn the schemes. they got to learn their identity now. So 10's good. I think this could be another team major. I think we're, when we get to March, we'll be talking about them on the board of making the conference tournament or, or not. Yeah, I, th- I think this team has the capability to be a top eight team for certain, but there's also the capability where they may struggle a little bit in year one because of of some of the depth issues and just being having a new head coach in that system. But I think Solly Boom can do enough for this team to be able to get them in a good spot uh, in Conference USA. So UTEP Miners at 10. One more thing, though, that they're doing, they have multiple little multi-team, multiple-team tournaments you know, in the in non-conference, but they can play the Golden Turkey Classic, they'll have UC Riverside, Florida A&M. Not strong competition, but it's competition. And then in December, they're going to play the Sun Bowl Invitational in NC Central, Bradley and Sam Houston. But they do have one tough game on their non-conference. That, 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 that's against the Kansas Jayhawks. 
How about this? Not in Lawrence, in Kansas City. So that's going to be tough. Interesting. So neutral site game, so yeah. a little trouble there. All right, FAU is picked 10th, or excuse me, 9th in the preseason poll. So the Owls are up next here on this preview podcast version for Conference USA Men's Basketball here on Inside Conference USA. And this is an FAU team a season ago that uh, was a fine, it was a fine season. They're always right around the middle of the pack in either conference, sitting at 7-5 and five last year in conference play, 13-10 and 10 overall for the Florida Atlantic Owls, a team that this season has to go without Keenan Blackshear, who transfers, Carlos Sillins graduated, went pro, and Jalen Ingram, a big-time transfer from Alabama at the time, was at FAU. He transfers on and leaves the program, but there's still some talent here. Michael Forrest leads the way at Turner's 12-and-a-half a game a season ago for him. Brian Greenlee averaged 10 points per game. You get, you get a couple of transfers uh, from some good schools here, Eastern Carolina, East Carolina, I should say. Uh, Vladislav Golden from Texas Tech is another pickup for this FAU team. And it seems like year in and year out, FAU's consistently under Dusty May just been competitive. They're never really great, great, and they're never really bad. They're just always in the middle of the pack, and that makes sense, I think, here in the preseason poll why they're picked ninth. Yeah, the middle of the pack's not bad, Andrew. It's no. not like a bad place to be. You know, you you want to be moving up a little bit, but I'm going back. They already had one exhibition. They didn't play great against Lynn University, and you know, they, you know, fourteen point game. One's a D two University, but you know, I think you look at the team like they have. You know, they lost a lot of key transfers. You talk about Ingram, so just see how they, how, who fills in that role. But again, very easy non conference schedule. They'll have a lot of time to kind of set the table, learn their roles. Only real tough game in the non conference is November sixteenth against Miami. Other than that, fairly easy. They can have a lot of wins, of course. Another good multi-team tournament. They're going to have a lot of chances to learn and grow as a unit. So I think FAU, I think they'll have a good season, but I agree. I think they'll be about mid-pack. I think they'll kind of – but if they get off to a rocky starting conference play, I think we'll see them kind of near the bottom half in, in, in the teams getting left out of the conference tournament. Last season, the FAU Owls won a game in the Conference USA tournament, defeated UTEP in a 4-5 matchup, 4 in the East, 5 against the West and the Miners fell in that matchup. And then FAU had to play La Tech and barely uh, barely came up short of a victory against the Bulldogs there. So this was a competitive FAU team. And, again, we expect much of the same this season with some transfers coming in and, and possibly uh, being quality pickups for Dusty May's team. But, again, we always know we're going to get a solid, disciplined, man-to-man defense that's coupled with a good, well-executed motion offense that's going to get the job done. For FAU, we'll continue. Oh, so they, they, but I just noticed they have one more tough non-conference game. I think it's going to be VCU on December fifteenth, and that will be a tough non-conference game as well. Quality opponent. Yeah. VCU is always tough out of the A ten. Absolutely. On to eight, the Rice Owls, and this was one of a bit of a surprise to me. The Rice Owls come in at number eight, a team a season ago that upset the Marshall Thundering Herd, who we'll talk about as we move on here. A team that upset Marshall, won the first round game against Southern Miss, beat Marshall by four, played UAB in the quarterfinals and fell in that Thursday quarterfinal matchup. But a Rice team that only loses one player, and that was a role player. He didn't play much. He was about the third guy off the bench. Besides that, everybody's back for the Rice Sals, including Max Fiedler, a guy that Nick Verzellini was high on last season all the time, 11 points per game, nine boards, top score, Quincy Oliveri's back. He averaged 16. Travis Evey at 14 points per game is back. Chris Mullins averaged 10.5. He returns, and you talk about all those key names, and then you pick up four more transfers 
to the roster as well, four newcomers to this roster. So I like what Rice has got here. Terrence McBride's a transfer from Cornell. He'll be in his fifth year at college. He averaged 12 points per game at Cornell. And then Carl Perry from UMass, another transfer in his fifth year, uh, averaged 12 at UMass. So they've got some good players. They've got a lot of depth. And this is one of those teams where they're ranked toward the bottom, but it's one of those teams that's got a lot of players coming back. Because when you only lose one role player that came off the bench, that's a good sign for this Rice Owls team. And I don't, not a big believer they're going to finish eighth in Conference USA. I'm thinking top five. You're thinking top five. I love the line that CBS Sports in their basketball preview. They said this team is fun but flawed. And I think they, you know, you talk about transfers, it's kind of, and I think that's where the flaw, at least in my opinion, comes when you bring a lot of transfers together, Andrew. You don't really know how they're all going to mesh together. Yeah. You know, you're, it's kind of like, you know, you're, it's kind of like making a shepherd's pie. You bring in a lot of meat, bring in a lot of vegetables, but you got to make sure they all taste together, they all work. I think you're going to have that over here as well. You know, right now on paper, Andrew, you said, oh, it looks great. You know, they bring good scores, but I want to see how they play on the court. Non-conference games, because Andrew, you know, you think you started learning. I love non-conference, but I want to see how teams rank up. Yep, yep. Tough game against Texas. Other than that, fairly easy non-conference play. And Andrew, I agree with you. This is a team I think that's going to make a lot of people. It's going to surprise a lot of people in January. Yeah, you got Houston, who's a ranked basketball team there oh, yeah. in early I November. Kelvin Sampson, he's, um, he's got a good squad. Yeah, they got a good squad there, and that's a road game for Rice. Big thing for the Owls, I think, last season. The reason they beat Marshall, their defense was really good. Defense was a concern last year. So if defensively they shirt things up, they've got a good offense. They have a good scheme under head coach Scott Para there for the Owls. Rice is a dangerous basketball team, and again, when they return. So much core value from the starting lineup. All five guys back, including two key players off the bench. You throw in two more five fifth-year transfers, you're, you're in for a solid roster, and I think Rice can be really dangerous in Conference USA. Absolutely. We'll move on to the seventh team in the preseason poll, the Charlotte 49ers. The Charlotte 49ers last season went 5-11, and 9-16 and 16 overall, 5-11 and 11 in Conference USA play, a team that was able to make the conference tournament but fell in the first round to UTSA by 10 points in a 4-5 matchup in the second round. So Charlotte is the next team up here to talk about. Justin, it's a team that has got Jameer Young back, Conference USA preseason player uh, on that team, preseason team, averaged 18 a game last season. Besides that, he didn't get much help. Jordan Shepard struggled last season. He transfers, and then two other players graduate, but a bunch of Power 5 transfers come in, and I like what uh, some of these guys they've gotten here from Charlotte. Yeah, that's what I was about to bring up. Transfer that's what I was about to bring up. You know, I remember we played our transfer portal game back in the spring. I'm, yep. sure, we'll, I'm sure we'll renew that. Eventually, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the, the who we play for Conference USA edition, but they bring in Musa Jala from Ohio State. Chris Holtman's done a phenomenal job with that Buckeye program. You know, they bring in a lot of guys, and also you talk about J- Jamar Young, an upper Marlboro, Maryland guy. You know, went to DeMath, a very good high school in D.C., but he's done a phenomenal job at the college game. So I think they, this team, I think, can go for the top spot in Conference USA. I think they have a lot. They they got the bread and butter to do it. They got a very good team here. So expect this team in January. Non-conference play, you know, how about this? They played an exhibition against Georgia. They beat Georgia in an exhibition game. Well, you know, depends how you know, depends a lot of though. But yeah. if, if Charlotte puts out the stars and they beat, like, Georgia, that's a pretty good sign. Look at non-conference play, you know, they get a little trip to the Bahamas so they can go down there, have fun at the Atlantis Resort. You know, they got Toledo, and we've talked about Spencer Littleson. He's been very, very, very deadly to Marshall over the years. They got Davidson non-conference. They got GW, a very, very good school. Arkansas, 
you know, Wake Forest. They got a lot of tough teams in non-conference, though. But remember, Andrew, conference play matters, and I think this team can, is going to make a lot of noise come conference time. Yeah, and you mentioned the victory for Charlotte an exhibition play over Georgia, leading the way. They know official statistics from that uh, performance, but leading the way for Charlotte was Jameer Young, obviously, and then uh, you had some other key players play well. Trap Jr. was a key piece, and and you look at this roster again too. There's some key names on here. Austin Butler from Holy Cross transfers. He averaged 16 and eight there, um, 16, 16 points, eight boards. Uh, Robert Braswell from Syracuse was a, a kind of a role player in a 2-3 zone there for Syracuse. So some key names, Bryce Williams, six men off the bench last year, averaged about 10 points per game. There's talent there. Over the years, though, they've struggled to have a big man inside to complement with Jameer Young and the guards they've had there. So interested to see what Charlotte can do this season. They're picked seventh. The defending Conference USA basketball champs are picked sixth. The Mean Green won the championship last season, but... I've been picked sixth in the Conference USA preseason poll. Justin, a big reason why is because of what they lost from last season. Here we go. JV on Hamlet, Conference USA Player of the Year. He was big. Really good season last year. He's gone. Zachary Simmons, big guy, was there four years, started mainly all four years there. He's gone. James Reese, star shooting guard, played really well as a spot shooter. He transfers. So three really big names out of that starting core at Lee for North Texas. Now, there's still guys that played last season on the roster. Those are the only three losses besides Reese. They didn't lose anybody else to the transfer portal, but it's a North Texas team that won't be the same, and they're going to have to kind of figure things out uh, with how they want to play. Grant McCaslin's an excellent coach. I'm surprised he's still there because I thought maybe somebody would kind of poach him and get and get him into a good program, but it's going to be a test for him this season. Without Hamlet, his star, how this offense and defensively they're able to work things out. I disagree with where they're at. I agree with you, Andrew. I think they were ranked way too high, but I think six is a little too high. I think I think by the end of the year they're going to be down to like bottom eight, maybe. Wow. 10. I don't because it's the same issue that UTSA is going to have. You lose your star player, you got to relearn all your schemes. You got to relearn how you how you operate without a guy. Because and Andrew, those star players they're they're big on culture, and so when you lose a good player like that, you got to see who's going to be the new leader. And Andrew, their non-conference schedule. It's brutal. It is a very brutal non-conference schedule. And so I think by the time they get to conference play, if they can pull an upset, maybe. But I think their psyche is going to be very interesting to watch. Because here's their non-conference schedule for you. Because because they're really going to go through the ringer. Kansas. That's a tough team. Talk about Bill Self. He's done a phenomenal job at Kansas all the years. Miami and Dayton. Dayton's normally a very good program in the A-10. They're going to have another good year. And that's at, that's at the Disney World Invitational. And then... Wichita State. Wichita State's a very good program in the American. They're going to see each other a lot in the coming years. Yep. But this team, I think they're going to be more towards the bottom of Conference USA than where they're at now in the preseason rankings. Should be interesting. I can't imagine a Grant McCaslin team, though, that's had so much recent success being in the bottom half. I think they'll be middle of the pack, a dangerous team. And again, they may not be top three, top four, top five, but if they're a six through nine seed in the Conference USA Tournament, they could, that's I mean, they, dangerous. They, can cause damage, they could be dangerous. Mardrez McBride's back. He's a senior now, seven points per game. He's, again, been the third guard the past couple of seasons, so he'll have to take a leap forward. Thomas Bell is the team's leading scorer back, 10 points per game, six boards. Last season, they pick up a transfer from Washington, Hamir Wright. They also get Rashid Brown, a guard from Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, averaged nine points per game there, and a couple other guys. Um on the bench return 
as well. So it should be an interesting season. Looking forward to see where North Texas falls in the grand scheme of things. Number five, Old Dominion. The Monarchs are back, and they are a team that went 11 and five, second place in the East Division last season, 15 and eight overall for the Monarchs. A team that last season was a team they lost in the first round in the Conference USA tournament. Not the first round, but the first time they played in the quarterfinals, lost to North Texas. Got a bye, and then the first game they played. Fell to the main green, 61-55. Justin, thoughts on Old Dominion? They're a very good team, and, and, I, and I have a lot of respect for Coach Jeff Jones. He's a great, he was a great coach at American University. So I've, I've watched him from, from watching nearby when he was at AU when they were taking the game. So I, I know his work. He's a great coach. He's got a very good team here at Old Dominion. I think this is a team that could contend for the conference championship. they got a very good core group of guys. So I think the Monarchs are in good position, but... Look at non-conference. They got George Mason, William Mary, VCU, and Richmond. All four games in a row. That's going to be very tough for the Monarchs, at least in non-conference play. But I think when they get to conference play, they're going to hit their stride. And I think they're going to be really challenged for a lot of these teams in conference. Too. So I think I'm very high on the Monarchs. I think five is a good spot for now, but I would not be surprised to see them move up to four, maybe three, two, or maybe the top spot. I think they're a very good team. I got a lot of respect for that group. Yeah, I like Old Dominion. Kalua Zeepke and Austin Trice were a one-two punch inside. Those two guys complement each other well. Zeepke came on really at the end of last season, 10 points per game, seven boards. Trice off the bench, nine points per game, six boards. Those two guys were really, really effective in one particular game against Marshall. They pounded the herd on the glass, and those two guys really, really performed well as the season went on. So you've got them. You do lose Malik Curry, Xavier Green, Joe Reese. Three starters are gone from last season, but you pick up a transfer from SMU. Charles Smith, who should be able to slide in uh, to a guard spot next to A.J. Oliver and Jalen Hunter, the backup point guard from last season, and start there. The one name I'm going to keep an eye on throughout the season, Jason Wade. This is a guy that averaged 11 points per game back in 2019-20. He's coming off a torn ACL in January of 2020, recovered from that, Justin, and then last fall, right before the season began, towards Achilles. And Coach Jones is not certain if he'll be ready for this season, but Jason Wade was a guy that was really good and the last time he was able to play basketball two seasons ago. You get him back, you throw him into the mix, and whether it's not a star role or a one-two guy role, a bench player, a guy that yeah. maybe has some experience and has been with the program. So Jason Wade's the name we'll kind of keep an eye on throughout the season. Is he going to be able to play and be healthy enough? Maybe that's something we get more in January and talk about whether he or not whether or not he's healthy and being effective for Old Dominion. But I still think it's a team that, again, we don't know much about because you lost so much. Are they able to fill the transition from losing your starting point guard and some experienced players? But the big guys inside are there, and they have talent to be able to make a, a good run here and compete in competing conference. Yeah, you brought up the, the game. You're looking, at, you're looking for Jason Wade. I mean, look at that interior duo of Trice and Ezekiel. I want to see how they good play. Oh, yeah. See how they play together. So, Old Dominion got a lot of respect for that team. I think they're going to have a good year. Turn the editor off. On to the team that's been picked fourth in the Conference USA preseason poll, the Marshall Thundering Herd, a team that comes off a 9-5 and conference record a season ago. 15-7 and was the Herd last season. Lost in the second round. First matchup for the Herd in conference play in the tournament was a four-point upset loss to Rice. The Owls upset the Herd last season to end the season. The big storyline coming in for the Thundering Herd this season 
Justin Tavion Kinsey. People thought maybe he would go pro. NBA scouts were coming to almost every game that he attended. He elects, well, though, in April. And they'll be here this year. Yeah, he elected to come back for another season, his senior season, his final season with the green and white. So he comes back with an- with anticipation and hopes of a Conference USA championship. And from what we've seen, uh, Kinsey and the Herd maybe could be back onto that track. But getting your star player back, one of the better players in Conference USA a season to go back, gives the Herd a good chance in conference. Yeah, they, they, they have their... They have their starting Kinsey, but they they got a good they got a good supporting cast around him. Andy Taylor's back, you know. I think that him him they're gonna be the one two at at the guard position. Should have watched those guys. You got Darius George, who he's kind of stepped up to the starting role in the exhibition. We'll see how good he is. But they had a very good young guard in Kyle Braun. You know, he's been a little banged up in preseason. We you know you and I we were on the Zoom calls. We've heard Dan Tony. You know, they kind of have a lot of expectations. And but here's my concern: they've lost a lot of good players, and I hate to bring this up to you because I know you, you know Jarrett West, you lose you lose your leader, you lose Jansen Williams, you lose Iron Bennett, they lose a lot of their talent, they lose a lot of that core group of guys, but I think four is a little high. I would put more right around six because I'm just concerned when you lose three, when you lose two star players, how is this team going to go? Because right now in exhibitions they're playing D2 schools, mm-hmm. they're blowing them out. Their their non conference is tough. They open up with Wright State. Wright State's a very good team. Then you go into Ohio, Ohio upset Virginia last year. You play Mike Woodson, who's now the head coach at Indiana on yep. November twenty seventh. Then you play Duquesne, you play Akron, you play Toledo, you play Northern Iowa. So you're playing a lot of good schools in non conference play. This team that's gonna struggle, but Tavion's gonna have to be the face of the franchise. And he seems up for it. Oh, yeah. You know, we've asked him about it. I mean, I've asked him about it. He seems very up for this opportunity to be the star player, but it's different when you say it in preseason. Then you do it. Yeah. Can you so, really do it? Yeah. So I think right now he's kind of in that phase where he's talking the talk. We got to see if he's going to walk the walk. Jared West, Jansen Williams transfer away along with Iron Bennett Williams and Bennett go to Eastern Kentucky. West off to Louisville. Again, the pieces are there. You mentioned Andrew Taylor's back again, 12 points per game last season as kind of the third option in the offense. Front court players back, Anna Chili Killen, Byers, Michael Byers, Darius George, Goran Miladinovic. You're hoping maybe some of the freshmen like Early and Anna Chili Killen can take a sophomore leap into their second season. You yeah. hope they can kind of but come also through. They have eligibility as well. So. Yeah, they have the ex- that extra year eventually yeah. down the road if you want to use it, but they currently list them as sophomores. So you hope, though, in their second season with the herd, maybe a step forward because that's going to be needed to help surround Kinsey with good talent. And I think the difference is early in Killen, they didn't have a good first season. You know, they played every, you know, early had a couple bright spots, a couple of really good games. Obina was kind of average. He's got. I think we're. I think we're. If you're Dan Tony, you're hoping last year was the sophomore slump, and this year would be like what you what what you were recruiting. But and talk about reunion games. How about December 11th? Yeah, Marshall's going to play Eastern, Eastern Kentucky. Kentucky. That's going to that'll be, be one we'll talk about for certain. Yeah, I mean, and Dan Tony's already like, oh, no games bigger. You know that week, those boys are going to be a little juiced up to go into Richmond and, and and show off. Certainly would be will be weird to watch that game and see how that plays out but again Marshall picked fourth here in Conference USA I think it's a good spot question mark for the herd as we move through the season defense because you lose the all-time steals leader and the all-time blocks leader 
and you have to try to replace them. So defense will be a question for the herd also moving injuries. forward. We've had Kyle Braun's been banged up in practice. Yeah. We want to see how he how good is he was. I was at the could, he could redshirt though. I was at the scrimmage on Sunday. Uh, the, look, you already reading my mind. He could redshirt because yeah. he was wearing a knee brace on Sunday during ex during the exhibition game. Looked fine. But also, D'Antoni mentioned it. You got 16 guys. One of these freshmen are going to have yeah. to redshirt. It's going to be interesting to see who they decide to hold back a year. Yeah, Chase McKee is another young freshman that's played well in preseason camp and in a few of the scrimmages exhibition play. So there's question marks there, and we'll see maybe if some of the younger players can emerge and be helpful for the Herd's run this season. The number third team in the preseason poll, Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, annually are picked in the top three. Rick Stansberry's got a good squad, but he's got a squad that loses four really, really key players from last season. Charles Bassey gets drafted. He's pro now. Tavion Hollingsworth called it quits, as well as Carson Williams and Jordan Rawls transferred away. So your main three returners, Josh Anderson's using his extra year, Davion McKnight's back, Luke Frampton, the Davidson transfers back as a sharpshooter. Here's where you go back to our seven-footer, though. Ready for this? Jamarian Sharp from the junior college level, seven foot five. Seven oh foot five. He he was a great shot blocker at the junior college level. And Western Kentucky provide gets him. They also get Jarius Hamilton from Maryland. Another forward. He was he's six foot eight, averaged six and two last season. Jalen Butts from DePaul joins the roster up front. He averaged ten points per game and five and a half rebounds. So Rick Stansberry went into the transfer portal here. He also got Keith Williams from Cincinnati and then a four-star point guard in Zion Harmon, who a lot of people were high on. So Western Kentucky is just one of those Conference USA schools that just reloads no matter who's gone. A lot is lost, but a lot is gained, I think, with some of the additions to Rick Stansberry's team. Yeah, you talk about Jarius Hamilton. He's going to come in and, you know, you have the, I was reading the CBS article, I just looked at it. Sharp is the nation's tallest player. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think they're losing a tip off this year. I think that I think the refs might have a little trouble getting that ball yeah. up where, where it needs to go because Sharp's gonna be able to quickly tap it back in. But yeah, look, I think they look Western Kentucky. They had a miracle year last year. They they were one of the teams. We remember sometimes last year we we're talking about conference years. They could have two teams in the tournament. Didn't, didn't work out didn't, that didn't, way. Didn't work out that way. But we were talking about at least like in February. But you know, interesting how they go. Uh, good years, but tough non-conference play, Andrew. They got a very tough non-conference schedule ahead of them. Let's. They got Ole Miss coming up. They're gonna have to go to Atlanta. They're gonna play Louisville, and play and you know play your boy Jarrett. And know you and Jarrett. Yeah, no, we'll. It's okay. It's okay. Jarrett, oh, went, yeah. on, Jarrett went on to a new chapter. Uh, you know they're, they're gonna play Ole Miss. Gonna play Louisville. So they're gonna have a tough non-conference schedule. But also, how about this? You know, not you know, group of five teams always pretty good. Memphis. Yeah, they're gonna play them. So they got they have three tough non-conference games, but don't be surprised if at the year, at end of the year they're number one in the regular season conference. You say this is a very good team. Yeah, Western Kentucky never really disappoints until it gets to the tournament. Last season again gets all the way to the championship, falls to North Texas by four points, and this was a Western Kentucky team that was really atop the conference East Division throughout the season. Went eleven and three in conference play, twenty one and eight overall last season, but they just have not been able to break through and win the championship the past couple of seasons. So we'll see if this year's different for the Hilltoppers. On to the team that's picked second in the Conference USA men's basketball preseason poll, Louisiana Tech. 184 points and six first-place votes for Louisiana Tech. The Bulldogs, the only team in Conference USA to place multiple players on the preseason all-conference list. It was forwards 
Kenneth Lofton Jr. and Isaiah Crawford, the two to get named to the conference list. And it's a team that only loses two players. Jacoby Pemberton is gone along with Caleb Ladeau. Both guys started, but it was a team that had plenty of depth last season. And when, when you return a one-two punch up front in Crawford and Lofton, it's going to make for a, a dangerous, I think, Louisiana Tech team. And there's good reason they're picked second. Yeah, you talk about Lofton. You know, he already has some aspirations of being Player of the Year. So I think you're just. We're gonna, I think we'll be talking about him a lot this year. But again, you know, look at their schedule. They got a couple of tough games. They take on number fourteen Alabama, Nate Oates. You know, he's been. He's a great head coach down there in Tuscaloosa. But other, other than that, very simple. They play NC State. You know, a rematch of football. We'll see that. And that was a good game. So to see how they're going to play there. NC State only in the ACC, LSU. But yeah, I think this is a team they're going to. They're going to cause a lot of headaches at Andrew. I think this, you know, last year was Western Kentucky, North Texas. We were talking about the tournament, two teams. This could be a team I think we could be seeing in the Conference UC tournament, but also in the NCAA tournament come year's end. They pick up a couple of transfers, one from the Power 5 level. Texas A&M transfer LaDamian Bradford joins La Tech along with three freshmen. They get David Green from Hofstra. And then really the big pickup here, uh, at least on the paper numbers-wise, Keiston Willis comes over from Incarnate Word where he averaged 19 points per game. That's a junior guard for Louisiana Tech. So some depth there. Kobe Williams is back as the point guard of Maury Archibald. La Tech, they're going to play good defense. Coach Eric Conkle is one of the most underrated coaches, I think, in Conference USA play because year in and year out, he's got good players. They play hard, and they know the system and always seem to make things difficult. All right, to the final team. The team picked first and projected to win Conference USA. The UAB Blazers, eight first-place votes, 190 points for the Blazers. A team last season that was the second-best team in the West Division. Again, last season was split up into divisions. This year will not be. And a UAB team that lost in the semifinals to Western Kentucky by four points. But Coach Andy Kennedy's back and hoping that his UAB Blazers team is able to uh, make a run here in Conference USA, and high expectations from all other 13 teams picking the Blazers number one. Oh, they should be. They're a very good team. Andy Kennedy had a miraculous first season. Guarantee, I think they're gonna have another great season up top. They got a great, they got a great foundation under Coach Kennedy. You know, but now the expectations are high. They did very good last year. Now you got to live up to them. So I'm very high on the Blazers, but a couple of tough non-conference games. They have West Virginia coming to visit them. So and I know my partner here is a huge West Virginia fan. So. Huggins will go see them, but they got a lot of expectations on, on their plate. But they got an easy non-conference, but again, conference play matters. So they got a tough year out of them, so we'll see how they do. Yeah, UAB, when you look at the roster breakdown here, key losses, Tyreek Scott Grayson transfers, Kasim Nicholson and Jalen Benjamin. All three guys were in the rotation last season. But listen to these newcomers. Jordan Walker, Justin, comes over from Tulane where he averaged 13 points per game. K.J. Buffin comes over from Ole Miss. Senior forward now averaged eight points and four and a half boards there. Last season, they pick up Jamal Johnson, a transfer from Auburn, where he averaged nine points per game. Josh LeBlanc from LSU, where he averaged three points per game. He was a role player there. A guy from South Alabama and Tyreek LeCure, a junior guard, averaged 14 points per game. And then the list goes on. Justin Brown from South Florida, eight points per game, fifth-year guy. He's kind of a wing player at six foot six. And you mention all that. And you bring back all-conference player Taven Lovin, who averaged 12 a game last season. Quan Jackson's back. He averaged 10. Trey Jemison was the big man inside. He was good. And then sixth man, Michael Ertle, averaged 13 off the bench. So the depth is unreal. I mean, I just rolled off 10 guys 
that all had success. A bunch kind of transfers, but they've got a core back, four or five guys that can lead this UAB team. And this, on paper to me, is definitely the most dangerous team and a team that uh, is going to challenge a lot of teams in Conference USA and probably may end up being the final undefeated team in Conference USA when it's all said and done. And I agree with you. And I think the reason I'm looking at their non-conference schedule as well they have a very easy non-conference schedule. They only got really one tough opponent in West Virginia, so they're going to have a lot of time to play a lot of lineup shifting before a conference play. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I think the Blazers have a huge advantage. I believe this is a team, them, La Tech. I think those will be the top two that we'll be talking about, at least throughout the year, because I think they're projected to do really well. I think they are going to do very well. So, But, you know, I think they, you know, basketball season's right around the corner, and non-conference plays where you got the chemistry, you get to form a good cohesive unit, but Come January, it's go time. It's time to see who's actually going to be able to sit at the table and win it. Yep. Here again is the men's basketball preseason poll, one through five in order here. UAB, La Tech, Western, Kentucky, Marshall, Old Dominion, six through ten, North Texas, Charlotte, Rice, Florida Atlantic, UTEP, 11 through 14, UTSA, Southern Miss, FIU, Middle Tennessee State. Justin, we won't make any predictions, player of the year and such yet this moment we will we will not but as november goes on and we talk about men's basketball on the air since this is the podcast version just a preview uh, of each team a little bit because we've gone about 50 minutes or more here into this recording so we don't want to spend too much time making our predictions and then we'll kind of glance and go over scores as As they come in and and throughout each wednesday uh throughout the show but one team, the listener, through this for this podcast version that is very dangerous, maybe whether it's a team that's underrated on the poll or whatever, what team are you most looking forward to to watch and kind of follow closely in Conference USA? Well, Kentucky, because they, they they're, they're a very good team. They've been very good the past many years, and I think kind of right now you kind of put them at three, right? I just make sure I got that right. They're at number three. Correct. Somehow. I got three and four confused. I'm like, well, Marshall's three. Yeah. Yep, three for Western I, I, Kentucky, I four for sure Marshall. I, I just want to make sure I said it right. But I think they're a team. I think you look at that top three. Those are the three I'm most looking forward to watching. Honestly, UAB, La Tech, Western. Because I think they're all they're all very good. Mm-hmm. And I think if I were if I were if if they got it's on a media poll. Because yeah. I think the media poll, the media would have a, the coaches kind of know the game. The media we would all kind of sit there and be like, oh, they're good, they're good, they're good. Those are top three. I think they're going to rotate a lot throughout this season at the top dogs. Yeah, I think four through six, I'll give you one Old Dominion because they talk about underrated teams. I think Old Dominion's got a very good year going, but also Charlotte. They, they bring back Young. He's going to have a good year. So you ask for one, but I'm giving you plenty because I, I think there are a lot of good teams in this oh, yeah. conference that that I think that they could make a good run, but they got to have good starts to the season, though. That's the only issue. It's kind of This is the fun part of the year, Andrew. We get to speculate, but I think come next week, we're really going to start seeing who was overrated and who was actually really underrated. Yeah, and again, maybe those are certain things early on in the season. You may not be able to tell exactly, but we'll be able to get an idea of things. I, I think with basketball, and I, and I interrupt you, I think it takes about a month. Yeah. Because I think, you know, especially non-conference About a month, play, maybe even maybe by the end of non-conference play even, too, you get a yeah. good feel for what the situation is in that. And I agree with you on that, because I think it's kind of easy. Like in football, you don't really have much time to make your judgment. Yeah. Here you have a little more time. They're going to play a lot of games in the next two months. You know, each team's playing at least one Power 5 opponent. But, you know, I think it's going to be difficult. But I believe by the time we get to the New Year's holiday, we're going to have a good sense. Okay, this these teams are for real. These teams you know, these teams might contend if the situation is right, and these teams are going to be 
down the bottom. So I think, you know, give it a couple months. We'll talk about scores, but it's going to be really hard to kind of pinpoint which seems good until we actually see them on the court playing each other in conference play. By the time we get back on the air on our normal slot at 530, uh, talk Conference USA football, we'll have 11 scores to go over from Tuesday. That's when college basketball begins is next Tuesday, November 9th. 11 Conference USA men's basketball teams will be in action. I'll just read them down real quickly here for you. Middle Tennessee State against Brescia University. FIU is going to go to Georgia. Monmouth is going to go to Charlotte. UAB welcomes in UNC Asheville. Western Kentucky will welcome in Al State. Southern Miss plays against WC. Not really sure who that is. It just says WC. No, it's it's just WC. I don't know. Maybe it's a JUCO. Yeah, probably a a JUCO or a D2 school there in Mississippi. Rice, Pepperdine, North Texas is going to welcome in OKCH. And UTSA's got a D2 school, Alabama. It's going to host La Tech. That should be a fun matchup. Alabama played Western last year. It was a close game. What time is that game? Alabama's nine, nine at 14, 9 Send? o'clock oh, SEC I'm, I'm Network. I'm watching that game. Heck yeah. Should I'm be a good one. La Tech going to go on the road against 14th ranked Alabama and then UTEP against the Division II school as well. All right, that does it for our broadcasted version of the Conference USA Men's Basketball Preview. Talk to you Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Tune in again next Wednesday at 5.30 for another episode.